Good morning. We are glad you're here today. It's a beautiful day. Thank you for being here. And thank you for visiting with us. If you are here today, we're glad to have a couple from Iowa today and appreciate them being with us. And we're so thankful that you're here. And we trust that our service together will be beneficial to you as we worship God in spirit and in truth. Thank you to those who participated in VBS this past week. A lot of work went into making this a great week. Thank you to Tyler and Heather and others who worked tirelessly to make VBS such a great, great week. I do know that CDs are available or will be available for those who are interested in the lessons that were presented in the auditorium. I would encourage you to take the opportunity to get one of those CDs and listen to the lessons. They were great. Today we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 5, Verse 6, Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, the passage read a moment ago, the Apostle Paul said, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. And so today we're going to be talking about faith working through love. And I really believe in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, we have what might be called a foundational passage. We're going to be looking at what Paul had to say there and making some application to our life today. I want to begin by asking you a question. Why are you here today? Why did you take the time this morning to come to worship? If you were in Bible study, again, why make the effort to come and to be a part of a Bible class? Let me ask another question. Why will you come back tonight? Or maybe I could phrase it another way. Why is it that you will not come back tonight? Fair question. How many here today are 19 and below? Raise your hand. 19 and below. Let me see a show of hands. Ten years from now, where will you be on Sunday morning? I have seen a lot of young people come through the doors of this building. And there are some today who are very strong spiritually. But there are many others quite frankly, that are no longer serving the Lord. They have, for all intents and purposes, quit the faith. So in 10 years, where will you be? What I want us to do today is to talk about faith working through love. I want to begin our study by, first of all, calling attention to the manifestation of God's love. When we talk about the love of God, it is, number one, indisputable. There is absolutely no way that anyone could ever read God's Word and walk away and say, you know what, God doesn't really love me. God isn't interested in me as a human being. To the contrary, 
Over and over again, the Bible talks about God's profound love for us. Do you remember, for example, in 1 John chapter 4, when John said, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, in that He sent His only begotten Son, that through Him we might live. Here in His love, or in this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. To understand something about the character, nature of God, John said, 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, listen to him, God is love. God said regarding the children of Israel in Jeremiah chapter 31, at verse 3, He said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the saints in the city of Ephesus, he said, but God who is rich in mercy for the great love wherewith he loved us. Does God love us? Absolutely. It is, as I said a minute ago, indisputable. There is no way you can read scripture and again come away and question the love of God for you. The golden text of the Bible in many ways emphasizes this golden truth, doesn't it? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Or what about the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the church at Rome and said, God commends His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When Paul wrote to the saints in Galatia, in Galatians chapter 2, he talked about how he had been crucified with Christ. That it was no longer he who lived, but Christ who lived in him. And then he spoke of Christ as the one, he said, who loved me and gave himself for me. So the love of God, indisputable. But then there is a second thought. It is incomprehensible. Try to wrap your mind around the fact that God in heaven was willing to give His Son for you and for me to atone for sin. Where would we be without a Redeemer? Have you ever thought about the profound effect sin has had on the human family? Wasn't it Ezekiel who said, The soul that sins, it shall surely die in Ezekiel chapter 18 at verse 4. Paul said, The wages of sin is death. To understand that sin is what separates us from God and that God loved us to the extent that He spared not His own Son. In Romans chapter 8, Paul elaborates on God's redemptive plan. And you remember he asked the question, what then shall we say to these things? He who spared not his own son, but freely gave him up for us all. And then to just step back and contemplate that passage for a minute. He asked the question, who is he who condemns? It's God who justifies. God is the one who has set in motion a redemptive plan to remedy the sin of man. 
So in 1 Peter chapter 3, when Peter writes and said, Christ also has once suffered for sins. Now listen to this. The just for the unjust. Jesus being the just, those of us in the human family being the unjust. Well, why did he do that? Well, Peter said, to bring us to God. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter said that Jesus bore our sins in His own body, that we being dead unto sin might live unto righteousness. So there's something about the manifestation of God's love for us. But now there's a second thought. What about the reciprocation of God's love? Let me direct your attention to 1 John chapter 4. In verse 19, John said in the long ago, we love Him because He first loved us. God, as I said a minute ago, has demonstrated His timeless love for us. So the question is, do we love God? Now in Galatians chapter 5, as I said a minute ago, you have what I would call a foundational passage. And the Apostle Paul there is talking about our relationship to God. In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. How important is faith in the grand scheme of things? Well, the Hebrew writer said, without faith, it's impossible to be well-pleasing to Him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek after him. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, you remember the writer said, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen as yet. Faith gives validity to the unseen. I have never seen God. I've never touched God. I have never audibly heard God with my ears. But I believe in God. How then did faith come about in my life? How did it come about in your life? You remember what Paul said? Romans 10 verse 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And Paul would write in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 at verse 7, we are to walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is absolutely essential if we're to please God. John in writing his narrative of the gospel of Jesus. Said many of the signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But he said, these are written, why John? That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. Does it matter whether or not I believe that Jesus is the divine son of God? Well, Jesus said, except you believe that I am, you'll die in your sins. Obviously, it means something to come to an understanding of the fact that Jesus is who He claimed to be, the Son of the living God. But then there is a second component. Paul said, faith working through love. So what about works? Do you remember when the Apostle Peter stood before Cornelius and his household? And he said, he that works righteousness is, is accepted by him. 
Is there something that I have to do, that I must do, to appropriate the blessings of Almighty God and to enjoy redemption? Well, you remember on Pentecost Day when those people who were present in Jerusalem heard the gospel being preached. And Luke said they were cut to the heart, pricked in the heart. And they cried out and asked the question, men and brethren, what shall we do? Well, Peter said, you need to repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For what purpose? For the remission of your sins. As Jesus said, we're baptized to enjoy salvation, Mark 16, 16. It is so that our sins might be washed away, Acts 22, verse 16. So through an obedient faith, and Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 1, verse 5, it is through an obedient faith that we come to a saving relationship with the Lord. For example, in Romans 6, verse 17, Paul said, But God be thanked that though you were the servants of sin, you obeyed from the heart that form or pattern of doctrine delivered to you. So there's the idea of an obedient faith, a working faith. Now once we become a child of God, what Paul said in Ephesians 2.10 is that we have been saved for the purpose of serving the Lord. In James chapter 2, James talks about the danger of a dead faith. That is, a faith that has no works accompanying it. Paul said that we have been created in Christ Jesus unto or for good works. And you remember Paul in Titus chapter 2 at verse 14 when Paul said that we are to be zealous of good works? Works are a part of Christian living. Now, I want us to move from that and think for a minute or two about really what I would call the heart of the lesson. And this has to do with the heart. Paul said, faith working through love. What is biblical love? You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. He said, this is the first and great commandment. We have heard over and over again throughout life how that we are to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. But what does that mean? Go back to the nation of Israel. And God echoed those same sentiments to the children of Israel. They were to love God with all of their heart, soul, and mind. And he said, these words which I commend you today shall be in your heart. And then they were to pass along the great tenets of the law of Almighty God. So what, it, what does it mean to love God? Again, we look at 1 John 4 verse 19 when John wrote, we love Him because He first loved us. So what does it mean for me to genuinely love God with all of my heart, soul, and mind? Let me just give you a couple of ideas to maybe think about. Number one, when we talk about genuine biblical love, Bible love sacrifices. In other words, if we genuinely love 
as the Bible teaches, then we are willing to make sacrifices. Well, what kind of sacrifices? What about time? You know, if I genuinely love something, time is irrelevant, isn't it? Do you remember back in the book of Genesis, there was a young fellow by the name of Jacob. And the Bible tells us that Jacob saw a young girl, a young lady, that he thought was beautiful. Her name was Rachel. You remember that? And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 29 that Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed but a few days for the love he had for her. Guys, do you remember when you were going through the dating process with your significant other? You remember that? Did she have to call you and beg you to come to your house? I remember when Nancy and I were dating. Listen, if she said, do you want to come over tonight? My response would have been automatically, you bet. Whether her mom was cooking or not, I didn't care. I really didn't. Her mom's a great cook. But why did I go night after night after night after night? Why was that? Do you think that when I got there, I punched a clock and said, well, i got to stay here for a couple of hours, and then I guess I can clock out and go back home. You think that's how that operated? Was that you? Remember when, do you remember when you began saving money on a weekly basis to buy her a ring? Do you remember that? You know, when I bought Nancy a ring, I don't recall how long it took but it took quite a while. At that point in time, I spent a lot of money to put a ring on her finger. Why do you think I did that? Because I wanted her to be mine. There was something about that girl that I loved. And I wanted to be with her. I cherished the opportunity to be with her. Do you think I begrudgingly bought a ring? No. I did that gladly. Well, why? Because of love. Isn't that right? You know, there are a lot of folks in our world today, they love sports, don't they? You know, you live in the southeast and Typically, it's football 24-7, 12 months out of the year, right? Why do you think people are willing to drive two or three hours, sit in the hot sun or in the wintertime, sit on a metal pew, a metal bleacher, in freezing cold weather to watch their team? Why do they do that? Because they love their team, don't they? Willing to sacrifice an afternoon. Sacrifice a night. Why? Because that's my team and I love my team. 
Let me tell you what, not only will we sacrifice time, we'll separate with some of our treasures too, won't we? I don't know what it costs at the various schools around the southeast to get season tickets, but I know this, it's quite expensive. You can spend a lot of money on those season tickets, can't you? And then you add to that, if you're spending the night in a distant town, eating out, spending gasoline money, all that, all that adds up, doesn't it? So why do you do that? Because I love it. Because I love being in the stands. Isn't that right? Why would a guy get up at four in the morning to go hunting? Sit in a cold deer stand. Wait for the sun to come up. There are folks that they, they love it. And given the opportunity, they'll do it as often as they can. So how's that translate to loving God? If we genuinely love God, where will we be on Sunday morning? I mean, just realistically, where, where will we be? If we genuinely love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, where do you think we'll be Sunday night? Now, I understand that there are some people who come because they felt like, okay, God commands it, and so I've got to be here. I understand that. But, and let me just add this. In 1 John chapter 5, John said, this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. His commandments are not burdensome. So when we come to worship, are we here because we genuinely, from the heart, want to be here? Or is it just because we feel like, you know, we got to be here on Sunday morning. This is what we do. Do you think it's possible that we take what I would call a checkmark mentality to the Christian religion? In other words, we come Sunday morning for Bible study and worship, check. Come back Sunday night, check. Come back Wednesday night, check. I get up this morning, first thing I'm going to do is read my Bible, check mark. And then I'm going to have prayer with God, or prayer to God, check mark. And oh, by the way, I've got to drop some food off at somebody's house, check mark. Is that genuine love. You know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and in chapter 13 he talks about the duration of spiritual gifts. And he said, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm become as a sounding brass or clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and have all faith so that I might remove mountains, he's talking there about supernatural faith, he said, I'm nothing. And if I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and give my body to be burned but have not love, listen to what Paul said, it profits me nothing. Are you saying then that behind my obedience to God, there ought to be genuine, heartfelt love for Him who sent His Son to die for us? Yes, that's what I'm saying. And if we lack that kind of love, something's wrong. 
So when we come to worship God on the first day of the week, we're not here to just check a box, though I think sometimes that's maybe what we do. But rather, we're here to be in the presence of Almighty God who created us, who sustains us, and who is our Redeemer. And if we're going to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, then it becomes, it becomes, rather than just a part of life, it is our life. This is who I am. I'm here because I want to be here. I'm here because this is where I need to be. And why is that? Because I understand something about the nature and character of God. I recognize what God has done for me, and because of that great love, I love Him in return. Well, what about in the realm of service? Would it be possible to go through the mechanics or rituals of living the Christian life without any love behind it? Look again at what Paul said, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 13, verse 3. Paul said, if I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body to be burned, now listen, that's serious stuff, isn't it? You're willing to die for the cause of Christ, but you have not love. What was it Paul said? It profits me nothing. In Revelation chapter 2, we have a survey of the church at Ephesus. And when you look at the church at Ephesus on the surface, they would have been what we would say, they would have been a strong church. They were strong doctrinally, sound in the faith. They had no tolerance for those who were propagating error in any shape, form, or fashion. Furthermore, Ephesus was a working church. These people were busy. And I'm sure not just busy caring for one another, but caring for others in the community. But Jesus said, there's a problem. He said, nevertheless, I have this against you. Well, what? What is it, Lord, that you have against me? Jesus said, you have left your first love. You know, sometimes if we're not working on a relationship, what happens? It grows stale, doesn't it? And over a period of time, that relationship doesn't have the same magnetism that it once had. Same thing's true spiritually, isn't it? If I'm not staying close to God and reading and studying and praying to God, what does that say about my love or lack thereof for God? Paul said, faith works through love. It's not about just checking a box and saying, okay, I showed up for worship. And oh, by the way, I came back Sunday night for worship. Wednesday night, I was in my regular seat. And I read the Bible and I prayed and I've done all these other things. 
I'm just going through the motions. Have you ever seen a married couple? That at one time there was a strong bond between them. And then over time, as a fellow told me one time, he said, my wife and I woke up one day and there was a canyon between us. Well, what happened? Something came between that couple, didn't it? So, over time, what happens is simply this. You've got a husband or a wife, and they're just going through the motions. We're just playing house. There's, real, there's really no genuine, heartfelt love there. Nothing to really back it up and sustain it. Now, you know, spiritually speaking, if that's what happens, we would say, by all intents and purposes, we're dead spiritually. Maritally, if that happens, it's a dead marriage, isn't it? I mean, there's no life there. Now, that life, that marriage can be, that love can be rekindled, can it? I think that's what Jesus was saying to the church at Ephesus. That love can be rekindled. It's amazing to me that in this day and time, by and large, we live in a land, a prosperous land, the land of opportunity. For many of us, we do exactly what we want to do. When we want to do it and where we want to do it. We make no apologies for it. That's who we are. That's what we are. We're going to do what we want to do. So what about spiritually? How plugged in are you to God? You know, if you've got a lamp on a lampstand beside your bed, you can turn that switch on and off all you want, but if the cord's unplugged, is it going to... Is it going to give you light? No. That cord has to be plugged in. By the same token, spiritually, we've got to be plugged in. Or we're just going through the motions. We're just flipping a switch. On, off, on, off, on, off. Go back and look at the scribes and the Pharisees. They were all about trying to live to the letter of the law. The problem wasn't the fact that they didn't know the law, that they weren't trying to go through the rituals of the law. The problem was there was nothing behind that. No faith in the coming Messiah, and there was no love. And Jesus chided them time and again. In Hebrews chapter 6, the writer there talks about God not being unfaithful. He said, God is not unfaithful to forget your work, and listen to this, and labor of love. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, he talked about their work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 at verse 3. So I'm asking you today, is everything that you're doing in the name of Christ, is it backed up by love.
I mean, are you, are you here today not because you feel like you have to be here or are you here because you love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind? He is your life. As Paul said in Colossians 3 verse 4, for Christ who is our life. Paul lived a Christ-saturated life. Paul would write in Philippians chapter 1 that Christ would be magnified in His body, whether by life or by death. If love is not holding you to God, you're not going to be faithful to Him. You're not going to live for Him. You're not going to be involved in the work of the church. You're not going to be regular in your attendance to the church services. And why is that? There's just no love. You know, I don't have to get out and beat a drum when September rolls around and tell people to turn the television on and watch their favorite team play. I don't have to encourage people to go to the game. Why? Because they're going to do that. Why? Because they love it. They love it. Do you love God like you love the things of this world? You know, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul talked about the love of money. You remember that? Can you tell if somebody has a love for money? You better believe it. Working seven days a week, 24-7, it's all about money. It's all about things. It's all about what I've got to acquire. Are there people today that you know personally, without a shadow of a doubt, they love money? They'll tell you that. I had a buddy of mine one time, he was telling me about his brother. He said, my brother will not go into the department store because he does not want to be tempted to buy anything. He just enjoys watching his bank account grow. That's what he lives for. Are there people like that? Yes, sir. We know what it means to love money. But do we know what it means to love God with everything we have? Until we understand who God is and what God has done for us, we will never love Him like we should, ever. I understand you can't compare worship and service to God in many ways to entertainment. Entertainment is just that, it's entertainment. But there are people that love books, they love movies, they love sports, they're willing to invest in sporting equipment. They'll do anything they can to get closer to that sport if only we had that same kind of love when it came to knowing more about God, to drawing closer to God, to learning more about His Word, to spending more time in prayer to Him. You get it, don't you? You see it. I can't judge your heart. I don't know where you are spiritually. But I have a pretty good idea of who's going to be here and who's not. 
And don't think for a minute that I don't know where you sit. I know. I know when you're here. I know when you're not here. Now, granted, I might overlook somebody, but most of the time I know who's here and who's not. I know who will be here Sunday morning. I know who will be back Sunday night. I know who will be here Wednesday night. There are some that I can count on. I know where they'll be. And you know why? Because they love God. So I ask you today, reflect upon your own spiritual life. Do you really love God like He loves you? Does He mean everything to you? If He does, I don't have to hammer you and say, seek first the kingdom of God. I don't have to hammer you to be involved in the work of the church. I don't have to hammer you to come back tonight or Wednesday night. Why? Because you're going to be here. has nothing to do with what I say. You're going to be here because you want to be here. In Psalm 42, the psalmist talks about his intense desire to draw closer to God. And he said, as the deer pants after the water brook, even so pants my soul after you, O God. There it is. Thirsting, hungering for God. Wasn't it Jesus who said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Think about where you are spiritually. Are you in a good place or a bad place? Is this just ho-hum, I'm here, can't wait to get out the door, or is there really something to it? I encourage you to evaluate your life over the next few days. Think about where you are. Think about your love for God or lack thereof. If you're not where you ought to be, I want to encourage you. Think about when you became a Christian. What motivated you to become a child of God and what ought to motivate you to stay faithful to God? If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I urge you to understand God wants you to be saved. He really does. God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. To be willing to repent of sin, to do as they did on Pentecost Day, to be baptized so that their sins might be washed away, Acts 2.38. Let God put you in the church, Acts 2.47. And be faithful to Him so that one day you'll hear Him say, well done. That's what makes it all worth it, isn't it? If you're here today and maybe your life's not what it ought to be, maybe you don't have the love that you know you ought to have. There are responses that take place every Sunday, just not visible. You know where you are. You know what's in your heart. So I encourage you, think about that. If we can help you in any way, if you need to respond to the invitation, please come as we stand and sing.